0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play
2: for free right
0: now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Recorded live. All
0: right. Tonight, we have a, a great tr- uh, treat in store for us. Uh, We have found one of the few remaining uh, people, you know, talk about the last man standing. This gentleman is still going strong, and we're going to find out a lot about him. His name is Rayburn Anthony, and he was with Sun during, I think he started in 1959, 1960, and uh, he's going to help give us some memories about Sun Records and a little bit more about what he did over the years with Sun Records and beyond. And he is a legend in his own time. <laughs> if, he, if you're a rockabilly <laughs> fan, this is Ray Burn, Anthony Ray. Good evening, and welcome to Old Time Rock and Roll.
1: Lee, are you still there? I sure am. Lee, uh, you've gone away. I'll try to. I'll try. This phone give me a oh. hold.
0: Don't worry, we can hear you. Just keep
1: talking. Okay, you can hear me. Okay. All right, uh, yeah, this is Rayburn, and I'm, I'm still working. I'm 78 years old, and I'm still going. Uh I haven't down yet. Of course, I realize I will have to one of these days, but
2: <laughs> I haven't. Well,
0: now, uh, let me ask you a question. You started with Sun in
1: 1959? In 1959, uh, W.S. Holland took me down there. Uh, actually, to meet Sam Phillips, um, call him in, and I went. To, also, was uh, with uh, W S, uh, but we were all friends from the same area here in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, and uh, that's how
0: I got with? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, no, go ahead. I'm. I'm. Uh, if I hear a little break in in uh, in sound, I figure it's time for me to shoot another question out. So go ahead. Okay. Well,
1: W S. Took me down to the Sun and introduced me to Sam Phillips, and of course that was when they were in the old studio, and uh, I did my first recording session there in in uh, in '59, and uh, it was released in the early '60s. The name of it was St. Louis Blues, but that's when uh, they started having problems with Paola. With uh, I don't know if you remember that or not, but. Uh, they said that some record companies was paying disc jockeys to play their record, and so Sam Phillips pulled everything back for a while, and uh, it didn't release my St. Louis Blues for at least two months later after we were well, ready to release it.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, let
0: me uh, yeah. Not only was I involved uh, with Payola, actually I was uh, here. I was in New York City at the time, and okay. I was uh, good friends with Alan Freed. And uh, when he went, I, I think the music really began to to change. It was almost a, it was almost simultaneous that we had the free debacle in, in uh, with Paola, and well, let's see, Elvis was going into the army, and yeah. uh, Jerry Lee <laughs> uh, got crazy. himself into a little little blind, and yes. I think all this probably. Uh, hurt son quite badly. And let me ask you a question, because this is always, you know, I met Jerry Lee. I spoke with Jerry Lee many times uh, when when he was at the New York uh, Paramount in uh, the city back in, uh, 50, in 58 and 59. What was Sam Phillips like? I mean, the the, the only thing we know about Sam Phillips is the later kind of odd acting Sam Phillips. Uh, with the beard, and uh, he, he just seemed over-the-top um, weird. What was he really like?
1: Well, Sam Phillips, when I first met him, was a really nice guy. He he wore a suit and tie. He was clean-shaven. He was very personable. Uh, he had a talent that uh, most people don't have. He could remember everybody's name. Unusual to me, but he could, he could do that, and uh, he, uh, he he was uh, his first impression was great, and I mean I thought the world of him. Although I'll tell you a little story. I went to Son first to to try to get in the door. and uh, Sally was the the she was at the front desk and I asked if I could see Sam. And she said, Sam isn't here right now, but uh, you leave your number and I'll tell him to call you. But there was a guy laying on the couch uh, then, but, of course, we I left. It was me and my brother. And then, it like, two months later, when they, Sam Phillips was the guy that I said, well, I'm there. And <laughs> that, you know, I, I met him, I got to see him laying on the couch.
0: All right. Now we didn't hear that one last um, sentence that you spoke. about. Who was on the couch?
1: I said, "Well, Sam Phillips was. Uh, I met him two months later, and Sam Phillips was the guy that was laying on." Ah, oh, I
0: see. Uh
2: huh.
0: <laughs> I wonder if Jerry Lee got that when he said he was in uh, in Florida at the when he went in to see Sam. I, I don't remember, but uh, that's an interesting story. Um, Tell me what was the whole demeanor like? Now you were there, I guess, just about the time Jerry Lee was getting himself in trouble.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: What what and, uh, was it like? What was it like since he at that time was their their big star? What what was going on at the time?
1: Well, actually, uh, you didn't. you mainly heard that on the radio because I didn't see Jerry Lee but once or twice at the studio. And, uh, of course, I saw Elvis uh, like three or four times in the studio because he was moving to RCA about the same time. Uh-huh. Uh, and, of course, Jerry was a uh, – and I don't know. I I don't want to say anything bad about anybody, but he was, he was hard to get along with. Uh, and I'm sure that you've heard stories about that.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I met him under good circumstances, though, where he okay. was uh, – but but yeah, you know uh, when you you know there there are certain things when you are a, a that's like saying about anybody. Look at um, at Michael Jackson. I mean, here's when you got a creative talent. <laughs> uh, sometimes yeah. you you have a personality that that just doesn't fit in with the, the norm.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and, and you know Scotty Moore is is a really good friend of mine, and of course. Scotty and uh, and Jerry Lee did not really favor it, but Scotty was a, a good friend of mine and uh, and still is. I still, in fact, I'll see him next week. But we were at one place and Jerry Lee was mouthing off like uh, I forgot what it was about. But but Scotty jumped up and took a swing at him, but uh, Jerry Lee, but he missed because. Jerry Lee was fast on his feet, so he missed. <laughs> I'll
0: tell you. Uh, so, you know, here's the thing. But what I meant by that was the demeanor, as as uh, Jerry Lee's records and st- had stopped selling and he was having hardy, uh, more uh, difficult times getting bookings, how did that affect Sam Phillips and the whole Sun Records company that, uh, that you could see?
1: Well, actually, it did affect the whole record company because everything, for a while, there was just running crazy, you know, and wild. And then the next thing you know, it was totally all settled down. You know, Sam had built a new studio on Madison Avenue, and uh, he had was starting to record everything there, at, away from the old studio on Union, and uh, it didn't see, it didn't have the same feeling since that and uh, of course Jerry Lee was one of the problems about that too cuz uh, he was dependent on Jerry Lee so much for uh to keep his company going and uh, it, it it changed a lot for sure
0: during sure, about that time I think Johnny Cash was uh, trying to get in you know, on the Columbia and uh
2: yeah
1: yeah
2: and, <laughs>
0: and Elvis Roy Orbison
2: okay.
0: yeah Go ahead.
1: Uh well Elvis went to R C A and uh of course Sam sold him for I think he I think he got thirty thousand dollars. I'm not sure, don't hold me to this, but I think Sam got thirty thousand dollars for Elvis's contract and uh which it was worth much more than that. But anyway that and uh holiday ends. Now that's the story that I heard. And, of course, that's how Sam made his money. He didn't make his money off of uh, the record label. He made his money off of investing in Holiday Inns. Right. Uh, that's what I was told. But it, now, there was, it was uh, yeah, you know, a guy named W.S. Holland was from here. He played drums. He played drums for Cash. He played drums for Perkins. He played drums for Call Man. He played drums for me. Uh, he was from Jackson, of course, and there was a lot of us from the Jackson area that were involved in Sun, just the plain musicians, or, like, Eddie, Bisch, guitar, T. Willie Stevenson, right, uh, Ann played uh, a little piano, and, uh, I did, I did, too, at that time, and, uh there was a lot of people from the Jackson area that was involved with son at that time.
2: Now, let me ask
0: you this. Um, you were basically rockabilly. Would you say that? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, when, now, from what I remember, cause I was involved a little bit because I was, uh, at that time I was president of the Bill Haley fan club shows you how old I am.
2: Okay. And, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, so I know the business. You had to do a lot of, even after payroll, you couldn't buy, you know, your plays of your record. It still cost money to promote records. Uh course, right. And what? So they did. They had. They didn't have the money anymore to promote people like yourself and uh, let's see, um, David Houston, um yeah. some of the other guys so what how did they get your records played at all
1: uh actually it was really a hard road to hold because uh you i actually went out to radio stations and going and back then you could even go in and talk to a disc jockey and uh, ask him to play your record and uh, he would he would listen to it, and he he play if he liked it. He'd say, "Well, hey, I'll, I'll give you two weeks, and then if I get any action from my listeners, I'll give you more money. And that's that's how it was done then. And of course, you can't get in to see a disc jockey now. And I don't think there are. <laughs> no, most of the time it's just it's run out of another another big big town. Sure,
2: uh, sure, yeah.
1: Everything's well, automated now
2: right
0: so what would you say i mean how did you personally feel i mean uh here you go you you come onto a record label that's growing great guns you had it probably was selling more records than any other record company uh at the time and all of a sudden you come in and boom the bottom falls out
1: actually uh, it was okay i did fine after that i went to nashville uh within a year after that I went to Nashville and Scotty Moore had moved there and had a recording studio called Music City Recorders.
2: Mm-hmm. So I
1: went to work with Scotty there and uh playing on the road with different artists and uh then I started writing and I wrote uh in the seventies it's really helped. Uh, and then I, I had my own record deal with Mercury. Uh-huh. I had like fourteen chart records with mercury records, so i i mean i every, i'm- i'm really satisfied with what happened uh,
2: uh-huh.
1: it could have been worse for sure you know I could have after sun closed i mean I could have went down the tube but but right. it didn't work right. that way
0: now how long were you with sun
1: I, I only had three records with sun uh and actually, i think it's of course, Sam would record anything and everything. Uh, I mean, I got s- several songs with just me and the piano. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, you can get those on YouTube now. Uh, and, uh, it, but one thing about Sam, and that's the reason why he was so successful, that he would re- record, uh, and it's, it's one person. I Like I sat on the piano and, and played Several songs, just me, and he recorded them
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and of course, they're out there on the market now um uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that they're selling anything, but they are <laughs> uh, uh you know i i I really think Sam phillips was really and I, and he wasn't this this just happened he didn't plan this out. Or nothing. It's just it's it's something that just happened. Because Sam Phillips was recording uh, songs for people's mother to hear, or or for their grandmother, or or for mm-hmm. weddings and this type of thing. So, you know, he. I think it was, This was in the in God's plan, which is the way I look at it, because mm-hmm. Elvis just happened to walk in, and and that's that's how all that started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I,
0: I this this shows that we've been doing uh, this month on old time rock and roll has been all Sun Records, and yeah. when I came to the last, you know, it's it's quite a treasure trove going through the entire compilation of Sun Records, and all of a sudden you come to 1960 through 68, and uh-huh. you find uh, people that. Just don't mean anything. I mean yeah. uh, that you don't. You know. I mean uh, these names: um, Bobby Jean, uh, Randy and the Radiants, Gorgeous Bill. I mean, I love the name. I don't. I would love to find a picture and see how gorgeous he really was. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. And uh, well, look at these. David Houston worked for Sun sure. and never had yeah. a hit until after he left.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Well. Edwin Bruce too, you know. Edwin Bruce was the son, yes. and he, he went on to be Ed Bruce, and of course he had a lot of country hit records.
0: Sure, and, and this is what I, I, and you know, it's so hard to find information. I mean, you're here, and you you got your website. Um, I found a couple of people that I was kind of interested just to find out about, and that, should, that there's nothing on them. I actually found somebody. I mean, I don't know if you ever worked or heard when you were in the the studio, a guy by the name of Tony Rossini? Yeah.
1: I, I didn't know him personally, but I did uh, know that
2: name, yes. Uh-huh.
0: I mean, 13 years of age, he gets yeah. signed to a record contract. I mean, I thought it was Brenda Lee the first time I heard him.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, these are just great, and and some of the songs are really good, and I really... Um, saddens me that they didn't get played. I mean, uh, he did some good sounds, and there's a. I, I did a, a a bit on them, Tony, and the four in the last show that was so sad. I mean, he did records for Sun, and they released him when his voice changed, and <laughs> yeah. and then he had a few songs for another for a Monument, and uh, then you know, really nothing. It's, it's a shame that. So many talents went un um, unknown.
1: Yeah, yeah, they did, and uh, and uh, Tony Austin was one also. You know who Tony Austin is? Yes, I do. Okay, Tony Austin was one of those people. Austin did he? Uh, he became uh, a semi-successful writer uh, in Nashville he had several songs recorded.
0: Yeah. Um, Harold Dorman too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, Harold did. He did really good. Yeah.
0: So it's really, it's it's really so many people just, and 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 the whole idea is is um, wondering what was going on. Now, I realize you weren't behind the scenes, but uh, how much did uh, Sam's brother have to do with Sun? I mean, I know they had a label named after him, but I don't know about whether or not he did much uh, with Sun Records itself.
1: Well, actually. Uh, I can't think of what his name was. I met Judah. Judge. Times. Judge uh, yeah. Judge uh, he was house, and he did all the mail outs. He did uh he was involved in in uh, the selling and the shipping and uh and all pressing and all this of this stuff. And and he did uh, uh, actually he called me one time and uh, this is after uh everything had kind of died down and he called me and said reverend if you want to come over here to the warehouse we got a lot of of records and if you want any for your personal self you can get them for 10 cents each and uh i was too dumb to go get them i didn't <laughs> <laughs> it could give but you that, nothing huh oh well it, it to me it didn't mean no big thing of course now if i had those all those records i could I could have retired years ago, but...
0: <laughs> that's true, that's true, yeah. It's it's uh, one of those things that, I, you know, I, I'm noticing, and I'm looking basically at, at the uh, last uh, CD set that was produced. I, I bought the whole thing, the Sun Records story. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know, 90 c- CDs or something like that. And I, I'm looking at these names. What, who did you work with? I mean, what other artists were around when you when you personally were recording?
1: Okay, well, I, after I left, I went to work with uh, uh, a guy named uh, uh, what was his, Billy Walker, and I wrote several songs that he did. Uh, he had a number one song that I wrote. Uh, I went to work with a four-girl named Mel Montgomery. I worked with Red Savine. I worked with uh, Bobby Bear. uh and uh, a lot of other people that I can't think of right now that that I worked with on the road a lot, and also in a lot. Of I was working there with Scotty and Lee Moore, and uh, of course DJ Fontana was there a lot. He was he was uh, doing a lot of sessions there. So I got with him, and knowing him, guy, also a guy named Pete Drake uh, was big up there in production. I got a you lot of. Actually- yeah,
0: yeah. Actually, I worked with DJ Fontana here in Orlando. Um, he uh, works on occasions with uh, a guy by the name of Chris McDonald, who does a, a pretty good Elvis uh, tribute show, and uh, DJ comes down and plays as the as the drummer on on his uh, early sets. Yeah. So, so I have met him, and uh, yeah, these are nice guys, and it's it's. Uh, you know, I I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't want to go into it with you unless you feel comfortable with it. You know the the fact that so many of the sun artists and I'm even back in the days. I don't. I remember when was it? Back in the seventies was it after Elvis died uh, yeah. when they came out with all this this uh, Doctor Nick yeah and, and the uh, and the drugs he was prescribing. These yeah. guys I. Give it from your perspective, and I'm not asking you whether you took anything or not. From the perspective of an artist, can you think of, as getting in their heads, how much uh, those drugs were? Seemed like they couldn't work without them.
1: It was a lot of people like that, and I'm not going to name them, but uh, there I was understand. a lot of people like like that. Now, I I myself, I've never uh, drank. I never drank whiskey. I, I I drank a beer or so, but not very much. And I've never taken any any drugs of any kind. And 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 W S Holland also, you know, the drummer for Cash and Perkins and all these other people. He, I mean, we just we talked about it, and uh, it's, we never got into it because I was afraid it would, it would take me. To, I would go too far with it because the thing about it is, if I really like then I jump into it with both feet and, and run so I, I did not do it
0: uh, do you think that it, it's it's the uh, the uh, notoriety and the fame that they couldn't cope with what do you think
1: yeah I think that was one of the things plus uh, back uh, people thought you were cool if you did that Well, now they think you're stupid you know if you get on the stage drunk uh But back then, uh, they would talk about, uh, well, so-and-so drank a fifth of Jack Daniels while he was on stage, you know, and this type of thing. Uh, But now, that's not accepted like it was back then, of course. And I think that's a great thing, that it isn't accepted. I know that some artists do it, but most of them do it now, do it before and after, you know, before and after, so.
2: Yeah,
0: well, you know, I I know Johnny Cash was was heavy into it, and uh, uh, that's nothing new. I mean, we don't have to talk about that. He he admitted that himself, and that it was in that in that doc, you know, that uh, movie of his life, and and so on yeah. and so forth. And it would seem that I, I know I spoke to Jimmy Clanton um, a couple yeah. of years ago, and we were discussing, and he said that you felt that you were not normal you were not human and that whatever you could you could do you could not be hurt you were just invincible that's the way he put it
1: yeah yeah Yeah. several i've known i've known a a lot of people like that and uh, like i said i don't want to name them but i I have some entertainers that that have been like that and some of them are not here now because of the (laughs) way that they did you know um yeah, of course. Paul, yeah. Paul Mann and I are friends. He he only lives like thirty minutes from me, and and we mm-hmm. we've been friends since the fifties, and uh, he and I and W S Holland are, are we're still friends. And of course, I I don't know how many that that I played at son or or got did anything there, but I know that I think that David Wilkins is is also still uh. He's in Nashville, and I think he was with his Son at one time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Little David Wilkins is what it's called, I think.
0: Okay, I'm going to check out that and see if I can find him on here, but yeah. I don't think so. Um, the you had a couple of songs. I know you. The first one was St. Louis Blues, and it was yeah. quite different from the normal renditions that I've heard. Yeah. Um, w- tell me about your other songs. I, I'm I'm looking at one particularly called Big Dream.
1: Big Dream. Uh, I wrote that song, and uh, actually, along with Tony Austin, and but we never finished it. We just put down that. But Sam said it was finished to him, so he released mm-hmm. it. Uh, that, that's a story that uh, most people don't know. I, I didn't. I was not for releasing that record like it was because it, it did the same thing twice. Is all, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and anyway after it was released and out there i got several messages from uh from this jockey that said hey Raven, why didn't you write a second verse you just did the first one again and i said yeah i did <laughs> it wasn't my uh, fault i wanted to finish it yeah
0: uh-huh and uh now i've got another song here was this there's no tomorrow the same as the old one the old song is
1: the old song i heard there's no tomorrow was by uh like a 20s vocalist guy with a big band and he was singing it really slow mm-hmm. now i did that you know like, like there's no tomorrow when love is new when uh, the story is uh from son that elvis really liked that and when he went to nashville he some guys rewrote the lyrics to it, and it become it's now never come home. It's high. same same melody, right. and uh, of course it was a, a PD melody, which was there was nothing wrong with him doing it because it was public domain.
0: Right.
1: The uh, but what
0: I'm asking it it almost sounded like Call Man's work, like Mona Lisa and uh, and pretend well, it just.
1: Well, see,
2: so, we
1: we used the same guys. Eddie Bush, was, Eddie Bush was the guy that actually came up with the Mona Lisa. He was supposed to sing that.
2: Mm-hmm. But it
1: sounded like Carl Mann's voice better, so he, they put, had Carl Mann to sing it. And Eddie Bush did the arranging and everything on that. He played mm-hmm. play guitar. And of course, Bush had, uh, Eddie Bush had been dead a long time. Uh, he, he just turned into a... Uh, uh, I, I, I can say this but he just turned into a bomb you know, he he was like a uh, railroad bomb he he just went from place to place and, and didn't play guitar anymore and he was such a talent he was really really a talent person
2: hmm.
1: but, that's uh, interesting he, the last time I saw him it been like 30 years ago or something and I hmm. walked out of the studio door where Scotty and I was working and uh, he was on, standing on the street out there, and he said, Hey, Hoss, can you loan me $15? And, of course, I hadn't seen him in 15 years, probably.
2: So I <laughs> gave
1: him $15, and i never seen him anymore.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, now, what could you tell me about Ray Smith? Because here's a guy that that had one big hit for Sun uh, and uh, then became more of a country or or rockabilly after that. And uh, he he came to kind of a... Uh, poor end.
1: Well, to me, uh, I thought he was really a talented guy. I never did. I, know, I had met him, but I never did know him personally. Uh, uh-huh. But I did follow his career a lot because I thought he was really good, and I thought he was original, And which, you know, that there, there was a good thing. And uh, uh, Well, I never did get to know him well. I wish I could have, but I, I didn't get the, Warren Smith the same way. You remember Warren Smith?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I really liked Warren Smith, and and uh, Warren Smith was he, he was like kind of like Sam Phillips. He dressed really nice all the time, like suit and tie, and uh, and he was uh, his personality was, was great too. So he was he was like a, a Sam protege actually. He. Uh, <laughs> but but Sam really had the first impression. He he was he was he had that down. He he was great at it.
0: All right. Now let now it's it's time to hear about what you Rayburn Anthony has done lately. I mean, I I know you're still working and I I got to tell you um I've been, <laughs> I've been retired 8 years and I'm it's well, driving else? me crazy. So,
1: <laughs> I know that it's <laughs> what well, what I do, I work in Europe a lot now. I still uh-huh. of course I still and I I I'm actually not with a record label. I do my own CDs and uh you can get them off the internet and I sell them at the jobs that I do uh and uh, I work a lot in Sweden, Norway, Germany, Spain. Uh I work more there than I do in the States. I'm not, isn't I don't in the States at all, but isn't I'm that a people. shame
0: though? I mean, isn't that I a life? shame?
1: This year I'll be going to the last two weeks of September and the next, in the first two weeks of November to do, mm-hmm. to be in Europe and Spain and, uh, in mm-hmm. Norway. And, uh, you know, I always look forward to that because. Over there is uh, the people are in the rockabilly. They they are like twenty years old or twenty three years old or eighteen. So mm-hmm. we we have they have they have crowds.
2: The, they do there fifties right. Uh, going back in time.
0: Well, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever run across Charlie Gracie, but uh, he works constantly over in Europe also. I, I know what you mean. And uh, Narvel Seltz, I believe.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Norville, of course, I know Norvell well because he lives, well, he don't live about an hour from where I live. But Charlie Gracie, I mean, he, he's really known over there also. I, I I really like him. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's still working. Now I haven't heard from Norval in a long time. I don't know how he's doing. Uh, I know he did have some health problems, but uh, I, I hope he don't have them anymore. Uh, but I haven't seen him or heard about he playing anywhere in, in a long time now.
0: Well, I tell you, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let let you hang on here too much longer. But I got to say. that that I think it's a shame that the people here in the United States do not appreciate and revere the rock and roll and rockabilly singers of the 50s and 60s. I mean, that's the reason I started this show eight years ago, because really uh, each, and I I actually was on a rap show, a rap talk show about, uh, I want to say, five years ago. And uh, he asked me why I called in. And I said, I'll tell you why I called in. Because I want to give you guys a warning. I said, if you don't revere and celebrate the music that gave you the right and and, and, uh, made the path for you to do what you're doing now, if you don't celebrate that and that eventually... What happened to them is going to happen to you. And someday, maybe it's 2100 or, you know, uh, whatever it is, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, who? I never heard of them. And and I think this is a shame. And I I don't understand why. Now, I have so many people that listen to me in the United Kingdom and Australia and New Zealand and and, uh, Sweden and Norway, like you said, and the people here in the states don't get it, yeah, and I think I it's a shame and I'm, yeah, what a terrible thing that yeah, but
1: um i I want to say that I really appreciate you uh I mean you're keeping the music going, and uh, that's what we need uh actually, you know like like I said, the Europeans are keeping the music going now, uh that the that the states have let go behind, you know. Sure. But I, mm-hmm. I'm hoping it will it will come back because it is a it is unusual. Uh, uh, it's a great it's a great music to listen to. It's a great music to dance to, and a lot of it is really great stories. So
0: that's true. And and uh, the you know, the country roots, the rhythm and blues roots, they're all together, and there's yeah. no music. That and I say this almost uh, almost weekly on my show, and that is that it, the good thing about the '50s, '60s and early '70s is you could play anything and it could become a hit yeah. and uh, you know I mean, you know you could have number one could have been uh, Elvis Presley, and uh, number two could have been Kyyo Sakamoto.
2: Yeah,
0: that's true. And, and sukiyaki, I mean,
1: yeah, it's yeah, just... Yeah, that, that's really true, yeah. That, and and today, that's a
2: good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Today, nothing. I mean, it's... it's uh, You are either in or you're out. And um, I know they have a, a, a strange way of, of picking songs, and I'm certainly not going to go into it with you, but, you know, just... They had what they call money songs, and they don't play anything else.
2: Yeah. I it's,
0: it's terrible, and, I'm, and I do want to thank you for being with us. And I, I'm going to ask you a favor: if right. you get, if you happen to get in touch with Carl Mann, um, please give him um, my email. And I would love to do a show with him too. And uh, okay. you know, because like I said, I, I don't do a lot of interviews. I specifically okay. try and, and just play the music, and having. Uh, Having the good graces, because remember what you said about Judd telling you to come down and buy the records for 10 cents a piece? Yeah, yeah. I was was with Alan Freed from 1957 through 59, and uh, he would say, when I would get down to the studio, because I would come down and plug Bill Haley's songs, and he would say, listen, I got a whole bunch of singles here that we're not going to be playing anymore, uh, feel free. Look through them and take them. Yeah. And I took them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I have a collection of probably, I think, 120,000 songs, 50s and 60s. Oh, oh. So, so we really have everything. And we try to play everybody. And uh, that's why I do shows that I call theme shows. Yeah. So in other words, if you have a song about dreams, I'm going to play... Rayburn Anthony, and I'm going to play the Everly Brothers, and I'm going to play every song that has the word dream in it, and it yeah. gives me a, a chance to play more music than we would normally be able to get on the air. Uh, hey, I
1: really so, appreciate you. I, I'm really glad that we got to talk. I sure
0: am. And and I appreciate you, and I'm um, just uh, glad that you're still around and you're still working and, and that you're happy with what you're doing because... There's so many of, of the group that you were with that are no longer with us, and I, I wish you health and happiness and long life and continued success.
1: Well, I, I sure do thank you, and it's really, really nice to talk to you.
0: Thank you so much, Rayburn, and, and uh, looking forward to it, and I hope we uh, do this again sometime.
1: I, so, I certainly hope so. Have a good night.
0: Okay. Thank you. Good night.